Drunk Botany, Episode 12. Hoist a glass and prepare to enter a world of gardens, brews, botany, and booze. Here's your host, Bill Creation. Hello, everybody, and welcome back to another episode of Drunk Botany. I'm your host, Phil Creation, and today we are drinking hot spiced apple cider with Jim Beam Kentucky Straight Bourbon Whiskey and a little bit of Captain Morgan Private Stock. Fall has officially come to northeastern Pennsylvania. I spent the last week and a half tearing up my garden and getting ready. Now, if you're like most people, uh, you are celebrating the pumpkin in every way, shape, or form. You're drinking your pumpkin spice lattes and your pumpkin martinis, but we apple cider folks are here to tell you that you are doing it wrong. Today, I have hot apple cider. It is from Brace's Orchard, if you're me, for reasons that I imagine I'll go into in a future podcast episode. And I have stirred in a little bit of honey from the beekeeper's daughter. And I've heated it up with some cloves, some ground cinnamon. Although a cinnamon stick would have been preferable, I just didn't have one. And I added a healthy dollop of Captain Morgan private stock. I did that because I wanted the vanilla flavors and the different spices that are associated in that. But the real heft is coming from the bourbon. And today, we're going to talk about tomatoes again. Because the show started with tomatoes, and now that the end of the season is here, it's only natural for me to discuss what I do with them. Growing tomatoes, there are two types, your determinates and your indeterminates. Now, with your indeterminate plants, you can usually get by with just dropping a tomato cage over the thing, but your indeterminate plants are going to grow out of bounds. You still want to keep the leafy green foliage from really touching the ground because that's one of the ways that you can introduce disease to the plant and you really don't want to do that. So I came up with a system of doing this that I haven't really seen anybody else do. I wish I could take pictures of it but I did not. None that look flattering in any way or would help you learn. So I'll attempt to sort of describe it because it sort of plays into how I harvest everything at the end of the year. Now with my indeterminate varieties, I've been doing some container gardening this year. And I had read in my father's copy of Square Foot Gardening by Mel Bartholomew, which you can buy from the show notes page which you can find on my website, or you could search at drunkbotany.com slash Amazon and legitimately support the show. I don't know why you wouldn't, right? I had read a method in the Square Foot Gardening book about how to trellis tomatoes to a archway made of conduit, which you could find at just about any garden center or home improvement store. What I did... Uh, They had suggested tying a string and twisting it around the plant as it grows so that you can train your plants to grow in a straight line. I wanted to apply this idea 
without having to purchase a bunch of conduit. So the way that I employed this practice was I picked up some large containers for my tomato plants, like in excess of five gallon. I want to say 10, 15 gallon pots that I picked up at the Home Depot. They did not hold up as greatly as I wanted them to, but they're in good shape still. In these planters, I put a couple different varieties. I focused mostly on cherry tomatoes this year because I have a son and he loves cherry tomatoes. And my most prolific variety this year was Juliet, which I'm regrowing from last year. Juliet was an indeterminate variety that grew faster than all the rest of the tomatoes that I grow. So I put it out in front of my sunroom which had a gutter running over it. So I used a series of ladders to get up there, and I used regular kitchen twine, like you would tie up uh, a beef roast with if you wanted to cook a roast and feed your family, to secure one end to the anchor point of the gutter. Then I let this kitchen twine dangle loose all the way to the base of the plant, where I cut it down. So now... In your mind's eye, imagine if you will, a regular rain gutter that you normally have to take all the leaves out of with a string hanging all the way down. It's taller than you are, uh, which is going to come up, you know? So if you were to spread your plants out effectively and maybe run three strings down to three individual plants, you can train them in the direction that you want to grow them. Now, indeterminate tomatoes have, uh, now I'm about to get controversial here because some people disagree about what you should do when it comes to pruning tomatoes. And I'm going to go ahead and tell you what I decided to do. And if you disagree with me, feel free to contact me at the contact us form on drunkbotany.com and perhaps you can enlighten me. But tomatoes have as part of their biology and a means of reproducing, something that is called a sucker. If you envision a tomato plant, I'm assuming, of course, that you've grown one before, and that's uh, probably not entirely fair of me. But if you imagine that a tomato stalk grows straight up, each of the leaves which would support the photosynthesis of the plant will come off adjoining stalks that will meet it at a 90 degree angle. These all further have little trusses where the tomatoes would come from. If we're talking about cherry tomatoes, imagine uh, that bunch of grapes that you would get. Tomatoes will grow in patterns like that. If you happen to notice that at these right angles, there's another shoot coming off at a 45 degree angle, that's a sucker. Now, many old-timers believe that you should just cut those suckers off. They believe that they will siphon energy off of the plant, and in that way it is desirable to eliminate them. There is another school of thought, particularly when it comes to heirloom tomatoes, of which this particular variety was not, that you should leave your suckers on for maximum fruit production. I cut some of them off uh, for an episode that I do still hope to cover in the future, so... I'll let you know about that. But most of them, I decided I wanted to see how many tomatoes could come out of this little pot. What I did at this point was to determine one liter vine of the tomato that would be 
kind of the main stem. And I tied the base of the string below the first set of leaves that appeared on this plant. As the plant grew, I would slowly twist it around so that the string itself held it up. Now, every now and then, certain arms of the plants would extend to the point where they would droop to touch the ground. And as we discussed in the beginning, you really don't want them to touch the ground. So I would go and take my trusty butcher's twine, and I'd tie them around a spot close to the stem, and I'd slowly work that string around the stalk of the adjoining arm of the plant, and I would leave an extra four feet or so, and I would get my little step ladder at, and I would tie it up. So now, imagine if you will, a Christmas tree that you purchase at Christmas time that's all tied up and bundled up. So the way that the the branches of the tree are kind of pushed upwards. And when you've cut it free of the netting, you kind of let it settle out and it gets that full Christmas tree shape. What I'm doing there is I'm pulling all of the adjacent arms upward in that same fashion so that everything is coming to a point. Now, this keeps everything up and off the ground at pennies and cost. I uh, hope I can dig up a picture from Garden's past that is flattering that I can put up on the show notes feeds for you, but um, for the moment I hope this prose picture is doing you justice. In the event that it's not, sorry. What you need to know at this point, though, is all of your leaves are off of the ground, all of the fruits are being channeled upwards above your head. And every time the plant grows, each week that you go out there to tend to it, you want to twist the string further around any new growth so that it's constantly holding it up. Imagine how a spider would wrap its prey. Or perhaps envision, if you will, a mummy that's constantly growing larger, and you would perhaps want to continually wrap it to keep it from whatever you wrap mummies from doing. Decay, I guess? I don't know. Anyway, so you've got all these fruits that are now starting to ripen. Now, as the season is progressing, feel free to pick them, eat your BLTs, top your salads with delicious cherry tomatoes, or make sausage to your heart content. Of course, October, November is going to roll around, and you're going to realize that Frosts are coming to kill everything that you've worked for, and you can't just give up that easily. So I got my first frost warning on the Weather Channel app on my phone. It just beeped in the middle of work to let me know that uh, it would be freezing that night. So what I did, instead of purchasing wall of waters to extend my season, was I decided it'd just be best to give up and get on towards cleaning up my garden area. You want to make sure that you eliminate all of your old plants because you don't want to foster any sort of disease in the soil that you have over the winter because that'll just be a recipe for disaster come spring and summer unless you want to start with all new soils. I don't have that kind of money, although I did dump out most of my containers because they were containers. Since everything was attached to my ceiling supports with string, I simply sheared that string. And then I cut off 
all of the bunches of tomatoes, leaving a touch of stalk there. And I used simple knots to tie them like large bunches of grapes. And I hung them from the very same strings that I had used them to lead their growth all season long for last-minute ripening. I brought these strings into my windowsill because inside my kitchen it's temperate all year round because we're civilized people and have heat, which you may or may not be able to hear kicking in right now on the recording. I find that it's important to cut part of the main stem off and eliminate all of the leaves so that you have a main stem that supports a little truss of tomatoes. Again, if we're likening it to grapes, imagine the stem that holds all of that bunch. If you were to take that and let just the bunch hang at a right angle, that was where I would tie my string. So that as tomatoes slowly turn from green to red, in my case, although tomatoes do ripen to other colors, which is something else I'll get to, I think, at the end of the episode, I allow them to hang. Now, there's a reason for this, and that's because in years past, my father, who we met in a previous episode on composting, always used to take his unripened tomatoes and put them on a windowsill in the kitchen. For the first couple of years, I attempted to do the same thing, but what you find is sometimes you don't use a tomato quickly enough, and the weight of the tomato against a hard surface will eventually cause it to kind of bruise uh, it'll leak out juices, fruit fries will love it. You just, you don't want to create that kind of atmosphere in your kitchen. Your wife will divorce you. So I worked out this system, and I have found that by hanging these tomatoes from my curtain rod by the window, I still get the benefit of the sun for the sun ripening process. I no longer get the sweetness that's provided from the leaves because I've cut them all off and eliminated them. But in their own natural state, the tomatoes hang from these trusses from the vines. They're already freestanding, and they have their weight supported from above. If you have them on a plate or a windowsill, they're going to bruise themselves. So I figured if I just kept them hanging, they would be much more likely to keep. So I attempted this for the first time last year, and it was ridiculously successful. I managed to extend tomatoes that I thought were gone an extra month into the season. Uh, everybody was lamenting the purchase of the cardboard-flavored store-bought tomatoes, and I still had prime heirloom tomatoes hanging in my kitchen. So if there's anything that I can pass on to you about that, then this is it. Uh, hopefully, the picture that I use for this episode should be enough of a visual guide to show you exactly what I'm talking about, and the show notes page will have pictures otherwise. When taking down my tomato plants, I found it best to uproot the entire plant after cutting it free of the awnings, because I really don't want any plant material left. This may come as something of a shock to those of you who have listened to the composting episode, but I have it under good authority from other tomato groups that I'm in on the internet that you really don't want to compost your tomato mass 
First of all, if you compost tomatoes themselves, they are full of seeds. And you'll wind up with a bunch of volunteers, and you may mistake them for whatever plants you've transplanted. So best to just avoid that altogether. On another instance, there are diseases that have become prevalent in the tomato community in the last, like, 20 years or so that have become very hardy, and they can overwinter in your soil for up to three years. And plants that die, it's sometimes difficult to tell if they've died because of disease or if they've died because of frost. So when it comes to the tomatoes, again, I just I pull them all out. I have a big bonfire and I burn everything, mostly because I don't want any tomatoes that I have entering into our municipal compost supply. Because if there was late blight or something like that that had established itself in any plants that I happen to own, I certainly wouldn't want to pass them on to the next gardener next year. Because the blights are the kind of thing where if your neighbor has it, you're going to get it, you know? So, eliminate all the parts of your plants that may be diseased or dying or dead. Uh, and destroy them with fire. That's my best advice. And if you have township laws or ordinances that prevent you from using open fires, pack them up in a regular garbage bag and eliminate them with your kitchen garbage, but get them out of the ecosystem that you're in. Also, clean all of your pots with bleach and water. You just you want everything to be clean for next year because, again, some of these plant diseases are ridiculously hardy. This sort of cleanliness will come up if I can manage to do an episode on seed saving, which is one of my favorite pastimes. I'm really excited to tell everybody about that. I'm winding down on this solo episode, so if you've made it this far, I'm really grateful. I know that I don't have the largest audience at this point, but I have kept any type of affiliate marketing really out of this, except for a brief mention of the same gardening book that I always talk about. But I am going to direct everybody to something that's very near and dear to my heart right now. If you are a regular listener of this show, you know that I'm interested in tomatoes more than anything else. And it has been brought to my attention that one of the great minds in tomato breeding is in a little bit of trouble. This is a fellow who breeds plants in a country that is not the United States. Now, folks in the United States are often talking about the state of healthcare, and we really have the best healthcare that you can have. Uh, it's just, we really just have access to the best healthcare. Other countries in the world do not have it as well as us, even as bad as we have it. Now, it is my understanding that this fellow, it is my understanding that this fellow, Ruslan Duhav, he's in need of surgeries that he can't quite afford. I don't know if insurance doesn't exist where he is, or if just hospitals are garbage, or what the exact circumstances are. But it's somebody that I know through a series of tomato groups and somebody whose work I admire. He's a fellow who bred the Vermissage line of tomatoes, which can be found at uh, 
rareseeds.com through the Baker Creek catalog and other such things. But it's a whole line of tomatoes that have really taken the open pollinated market by storm. So if you are interested in growing these varieties, there is an opportunity to buy direct from this fellow. You can realize extreme savings for yourself. Uh, you could buy bulk seeds, etc. But more than that, you can help a man who is heavily involved in the gardening and tomato scene in general to stay alive. And again, I don't know that there's much that a guy like me can do, but I'm going to purchase seeds through this link myself. And I would encourage anybody who is interested in taking a risk to potentially save a life to do the same. So I'm going to put a link up to his personal catalog at my page drunkbotany.com slash seeds to live. That link will take you to his link, which is much more complicated and I probably wouldn't be able to say on the air. It will also be linked in our show notes page for this episode. And again, uh, if you've made it this far and you've drank your apple cider along with me and you've torn apart your garden, thanks. I really appreciate it. And if you're doing your holiday shopping, for me that's Christmas, but for you it could be any number of other holidays, feel free to use my link at drunkbotany.com slash Amazon and help us out. I guess that's it. Cheers. Thank you for listening to Drunk Botany. Visit us at drunkbotany.com to subscribe to the show for free and we'll join you next week.